Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet if you're losing first goal score gets a goal. See paddypower.com for terms. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. All right, so we're doing a show on Wednesday because we are off to Hayes Hotel tomorrow night. We have a fantastic lineup. It's a live show. We have Babs Keating. We have Richie Bennis. We have Andrew O'Shaughnessy. They're going to relive the trilogy of games back in 2007. We have Lark Corbett, Cheddar Plunkett, and we have Michael Ryan, who are going to analyse the game. Then we have Shane McGrath, and we have Reds O'Grady, who might be joined by Babs Keating, we're not sure, and we're going to talk about the Boris Lee Five. Bringing the gloves, Willie. Bring yeah, so we're going to have to talk. Do, do you know anything about the Boris Lee Five, uh, Mick, here in studio? No, just the rumours that go around, the usual ones that have... A few phone calls and that. But, uh, <laughs> it, it should be interesting when they meet up. Yeah, Michael, do you remember? The, do you remember the Boris Lee five in, to, in two thousand and six? Tipperary lost to Cork in a Munster final, and five of them went on the beer, and there was a big controversy. Do you remember this going on? I can't believe fellas are going to beer after losing the Munster final. <laughs> they went on it on the Tuesday, the day they were training, which probably cranks it up. Yeah. Maybe a little notch even for me, but anyways. It turns out that Redzer, who was captain of the team, ended up getting completely dropped off the panel. So we're going to go through that with the two lads and hopefully Babs will, uh, Babs will join in <laughs> in the chat. So listen, there's still tickets available. So you know what to do. Go on to um, sportsjoe.ie and you'll be able to apply for your tickets there. Right, we'll get into this, lads. And Michael Ryan, I wanted to ask you about some comments you made last year. And you were talking about the media coverage of the Joe McDonough Cup. And you said, you said, what would I say is that the media coverage has been very poor, particularly from a television point of view, which is a problem for players. When you're trying to promote the game in these counties, a little bit of uh, better coverage will be good. 
overall it's been a really good competition and what what I particularly like is the even number of counties meaning no teams have a bye so that concept is working well well anyway that's changed this year but just your point on the coverage because you were pretty vocal about that last year Michael and to be honest not much has changed this year we've been saying on the show here Absolutely, the penny hasn't dropped. I think the coverage has been of a very similar nature, very, very, very poor and very disappointing. I mean, we've had some really good games, and it's an excellent competition. And people should remember, it's a stepping stone to playing in the McCarthy Cup. And it's you know, for those counties, it's it's a it's a very, very important phase in their in their hurling history and and in the progress in making progress in the game. And very disappointed. Practically covered, as practically nil. Even even at the newspapers, there's only a few lines, and it's kind of just more or less filled in spaces. So nothing has changed with that regard. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And would players comment on that, or would be they would be disappointed in that after a big win, or how, like would they would they care, or they just looking at the next game? Of course they care, and, I, I, and I mean, to me, to me, the obvious thing to do is you know maybe give the rights to TGK or you know or give it to somebody else that's willing to willing to show the games because if RT haven't got time, and that's fair enough that they haven't got time. But surely there's a slot out there for somebody. Yeah. And the, the standard of the holding has been of such. I mean, I mean there've been some absolutely tremendous games. You go back to the, to the Leash uh, West Meat game a couple of weeks ago. They ended in a draw, a high-scoring draw. There've been some very good games. You know, Kerry, Kerry have, have been involved in, a, in, a, in a, one or two cracking games as well. Even, even the game against Offaly. And it's funny enough, the only real coverage that it got was the demise of Offaly, and that's very disappointing. Yeah. Because I know Offaly, and I, I hate to see Offaly go down. But also, I mean, it, this is not just about Offaly. Some, the other counties are equally important, but it's all about how Offaly hurling has, has fallen and no real, no real talk about the competition as such. Yeah, no, that's true. I'd hear, and I, I had Tom Ryan on the show here. I think the Kerry-Westmead game was a classic up in Cusick Park as well. The, the, I had Tom Ryan on the show here and I said that to him, uh, Mick, here in studio, is yeah. that I said, why don't you sell the Joe McDonough Cup to TG Carr? Mm-hmm. If it's on TG Carr, like potentially journalists that a, a trainee journalist could watch it on the telly and do a report off the telly rather than even going for it if, if resources aren't that strong. And do you know what he said to me? Oh, that's that's not a bad idea. They hadn't even yeah. dis- they hadn't even thought about this. Like I mean, which is very disappointing. But it shows their thought process, Willie. Like even on a Sunday game, they might show a clip of two minutes, if anything. And it, like it's just oh, we'll put it in because we have to. And it's I don't know. It's a huge lack of respect because I've, some of the best games I've played throughout my career have been against Leash Westmead, Kerry, like and. And some of the hardest lads I've marked have been on them teams. And the public don't, don't see that. Like, if you're not watching these teams, you've no idea the standard of hurling. And some of them are brilliant, brilliant hurlers. And I think it's just disappointing all around. I don't... TG4 have been brilliant. I've been brilliant at showing club games throughout the year. And I think, why wouldn't it be handed to them? Because we'll open the public's eyes into the standard of hurling and some of the hurling that's going on at, these le- at this level that we just we will never see you know yeah no exactly I think I think we'd all we'd all be on that um, same wavelength big uh, news coming out of Wexford is Aidan Nolan is going to be suspended for Sunday lads and um, we know what happened here so it was a, a very weird one um, at the end of the game he, t- <laughs> he thought Wexford had lost um, <laughs> he thought that the referee hadn't played the four minutes of injury time that he should have and Instead, he abused the referee, apparently. He used abusive language towards the referee. So he's out. So it's disappointing. He'll actually miss... He'll, I think he's out for this one. He got a two-game ban, so he'll miss this one and the next one. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to feel too much simply for him if he was abusing the referee. It's almost comical, isn't it, Mike, <laughs> Mike here in the studio? Oh, well, it's silly. Like, you know, I, unless he, I don't know how offensive he was. I don't know what he said to the ref. You'd love to think that the ref would say to himself, look, he made a mistake. 
don't don't have that much of it. Yeah, I don't want the lad to miss Leinster final, and, and they're huge games to miss, and he's a big player for them. But look, I don't know what he said. It could have been really bad, and, and he, he might deserve it. But it's just silly, like you know. And I suppose it goes to show that at the end of the game, no one knew what was going on, players included. Like, yeah. Know? So with all the permutations going on, like the heat of the moment, you got to be carried away, and like it's sad that that lad's going to miss Leinster final because of it. You yeah, know? exactly. Michael um, on on the line, like I mean, you know the way managers lose their minds with players for talking back to a referee, getting a free moved up, abusing a referee. I'm not sure you could even get as annoyed with Aidan. He taught Wexford route of the championship. Like, I mean, would you even be annoyed with him for this? Well, I don't know if, how that could happen because at the end of the day, I, I wasn't in Wexford Park for the game, but I'm sure the scoreboard was working. Yeah. And that, that should have told the tale. But look, I mean, getting involved with referees is futile. I've never seen a referee change his mind. And what, I, what I've noticed with referees over the years is when you continuously get onto referees, all happens is the next 50 53, it goes against you. Because referees are human after all and they can't take that kind of criticism. Disappointing for them to, to, to lose, to, to miss the Leinster final because in fairness to Wexford, they're having a decent campaign and there's, there's, there's probably a 50-50 Leinster final coming up and it, it, it's very disappointing. But, you know, the lesson should have been learned a long, long time ago. There's no point in getting involved with referees because, you know, they, they just it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, no, no, definitely. See, everything was so subdued after the game. Well, you know, you're watching it and no one was celebrating and no one, I don't think anyone knew what they stood in... Wexford they weren't sure of no, the Parnell Park game hadn't ended, was it? No, I, 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 see, I was at the Parnell Park game, so I don't know. I don't know uh, a time t- at the time frame like of which game ended first, but uh, like, everyone should look confused, you know that way. So I don't know. He probably just thought took that as a loss, you know, more out. So yeah. <laughs> went straight at beeline for the ref, but it, of course, like he shouldn't. But I know you can be heated after a game, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But you'll probably never see anything like this again when you had you had you know no. so much hung on two games yeah. and, uh, and uh, the scenario changed several times during the course of those two games. Yeah. Teams were in, teams were out, and at the end of the day, and Galway were, were the unfortunate losers. So there was an offset at stake, and you know it, it was it was a tricky situation. But I go back to what I said originally. You know, unfortunately, there's no point in getting involved referees. Yeah, no, definitely not. I wanted to ask you about hurling sweeper keepers, lads, because Christy O'Connor had a piece in on the RTE website about this, and Christy provides me with a lot of uh, yeah, pieces brilliant. for the top of the show. But he was talking about, and this was a good stat, that Alan Nolan, obviously, against Galway, we saw that, you were there, um, Mike, and he scored a sensational point from play. So it was played back to him, the wind was behind him, yeah. and, he, and that was only the second ever uh, point from play from a goalkeeper in the championship, which I thought was an interesting yeah, one. Yeah, yeah Stephen Stephen O'Keefe is the only other yeah. one that scored a point f- a point from play. But it just made me think the sweeper keeper is a big thing in Gaelic football now. Yeah. Do you think it could potentially come into hurling where a keeper's coming out, he's creating that extra man, he's getting far enough to be taking pot shots? Is that the way the game is going to move on to? It's not even pot shots for me. I played, I finished my career as fullback for the last year too, and. I'm a huge advocate to use your goalie all the time. Like I, I, I was behind me when I was playing, and he's he's so good at, and he's such a long delivery. Like it's not even about getting a point or two; it's just his delivery. And if you if I'm picking the ball and facing my own goalie, why would I throw a ball over my shoulder when I don't know where it's going to go? I don't know who's behind me when I can just pop it to a goalkeeper. And does he look for it back? Because that's the big thing. Oh, in he'll the... roar at the back, and mo- all good goalkeepers will because they're facing the pitch. They have a vision, and if they're expecting the ball back, which they should be, they can pick out already before you even give them the ball or who they're going to pick out in the pitch. So I'm a huge advocate of full back lines using that goalkeeper. And the only reason you wouldn't is if you haven't got confidence in him. So, and from my point of view, I would be roaring my head off, especially when I played half back, if a yeah. corner back yeah. didn't use his goalkeeper. 
No, here's, it's great here's to see some, them score. Here, here, here's some puck outs, right? So he goes to the corner back. Yeah. The corner back gives it to him immediately and he drives it down then. And you're like, why didn't you just drive it down when you had it clear? Yeah. But is there a case where they'll they'll give it to the corner back, they'll get it back and then they'll keep coming to draw the man? Do you yeah. know that kind of yeah. way which we don't see that much? No, that's that's a dangerous game. That's I suppose that's from a puck out. But I'd be talking about from play. If you're tackling a corner forward and you get a ball and oh, pull okay. it back. You know that way? During, yeah, during, yeah. during, uh, during play. Right. Because a goalkeeper can spot everything then. I'm not a too fan of it, giving it to a corner back and then giving it back because it just delays the play. I think so, yeah. As a forward, it delays the ball coming into you. You know that way? So well, if you give it back to the goalie and just drives it, well, then it defeats the purpose of actually doing it. Unless absolutely. he wants to rob a few yards. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be too fan of a goalie running past the player because they're not used to it and they could get tagged. You know what I mean? You do, you do see them slipping up then. But during play, I definitely give the ball back. You know, I don't want goalies shooting from 90, 100 yards all the time because... They won't. They, they go over one and ten. Maybe, yeah, you know. But yeah. Um, I didn't realize that stat. Now I thought a lot more goalie because I've seen Stephen Keith loves to raid up the pitch. Now he'll go over his goal forty or fifty yards, but he's excellent at it. You yeah. Know, so. Now he is. What do you think, Michael? Do you think the game will go well, that well, way? Yeah, well, there's two different things too. First of all, uh, teams are retreating so far up the pitch now that there's probably a huge pocket of space. Yeah. And if you have a goalie, I mean, you have the least goalie uh, on Sunday in the role, and he can drive the ball about 114 yeah. and a half yards, like absolutely no bother to him. And some keepers, most keepers are, are, are good strikers at the ball. So it might be an option for a score every now and again. But what I can't understand is, I can't understand the goalkeeper putting the ball to, to, to the fullback yeah. and giving it back to him. And now he's, when the, goal, the goalie is the only player on the team on his puck out that has the ball in his hand, that can look at the entire pitch, that there's no pressure on him. Yeah. He can make a decision and there's nobody interfering with him. Uncontested. Whereas yeah. when he gets back that ball, he's under pressure. He's now, the shot very often, the shot is rushed. Uh, and you know, it's very difficult. And if if, if that hookout goes wrong, you know the chances there you can see the goal. I can't understand giving the ball to the fullback, but there is certainly the option, as as Mick said, uh, I mean, uh, of getting the ball back to the keeper from general play, particularly if you're under pressure and you can't see what you're going to do with the ball. Or usually there's a, there's a free line of sight back to your goalkeeper. Certainly, I think that's coming more and more into the game, and I would be certainly would be in favour of but the short puck out to the keeper doesn't doesn't much with me because you know one of these days going to end up at the back of the net, and and, and not alone is it three points; it's much more than that. Because it will absolutely demoralise the team. Oh, it does, yeah, and it lifts the opposition as well. No, I think we're all in agreement with the, the little tap to the corner, yeah. the tap to the full back, and getting it back. No. Unless, the, the only time it, did it work for Cork against Clare in the Munster final one year, where Clare were dropping off them, and Nash ended up being able to drop, get those extra few yards with the wind, and he was dropping them right in on the full forward line. Yeah, he was. On, and that on occasion like that, maybe. You know, it might have. Yeah, but might... Damien Callan that day was taking his man on and bombing up and down the pitch. Like if a cornerback gets it, normally you play up the wing. You take the man on and, and pop it to a wing back. You know, and it's just a safer option than popping it back to the. It makes no sense popping it back to the goalie at that pace. But like, I, I definitely think you're going to see goalies being used as that sweeper or a lot more, William, and not in a shooting sense, as in giving them time to get up the pitch and pick out a man. Even if it's from midfield, you'll have more time to pick out a player and that's the that's the benefit of it. Yeah, no, exactly. I saw Paddy Purcell was interviewed during the week, yeah. um, Michael, and he was talking about none of the Leash players haven't played in Croke Park before, only I think some of them were in a minor Leinster final in 2013. 14. And uh, were you in that same position with uh, Westmead last year and how did you kind of get them acclimatised to Crow Park did you get a training session in it before or does that even happen anymore I remember back in the 90s when I was a minor and we'd never played there before we got a training session on it now we couldn't do much on it but you know maybe it broke that kind of maybe fear in a little way of having to go there how did you deal with that? 
Well, I'm really smiling when you when you say that we have a training session because when we got to Croke Park before the, before the final last year, the players weren't allowed to walk on the pitch, even their runners, until you know just uh, until about maybe 20 minutes before, the, before they warmed up. When they got there first, they weren't allowed on the pitch, so there was no Christian warm up. We had a few players. We had Paul Revel and a couple of more players, Derek McNichols, who had played there previously. But by and large. It was a totally new concept for the players. I, I don't think it bothered them. I think they were so delighted to get the opportunity to play that. And I'm sure it'll be the same way with Leash uh, on Sunday. Westmead have played that last year. I don't see that as being a major advantage. But I think it'll be, you know, even Stephen, it'll be down to whoever performs on the day. But players, are, I think, are so delighted to get to play in, 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 in the mecca of hurling, really, which is Crow Park. And, you know, it, it's been used for the Christie ring, and I think it could even be used for more games. I'd like to see more games played in Copenhagen because at the end of the day, it's not the exclusive property of, of, of the elite players of this country. I think, you know, every opportunity should be given to give fellas a, guy, a chance to play in Copenhagen. As a girl, an advantage on Sunday, I don't see it as an advantage. And uh, with me, did play the last year. They were beaten. Maybe that's a bigger advantage, the fact that they, they played in the final and lost the final. But I don't see the venue having any, having any significance. Right. Was, there must have been a lot of nerves in that dressing room the first time for a lot of them to play there, was there? Well, actually, we started very well in that game, and we were we were hurling really well. But that game was decided in a, in a probably in a sixty second spell, just before half time. You know, we had a chance. One of our players was saying the slap was through, and the ball went inches over the bar, and within twenty seconds was in our net at the other end. Then the half time whistle went, and straight after half time, uh, we conceded a goal to a very good Carlow team. It has to be said. So I think they were the significant moments. I don't think you ever said any players in the game. I just think that, you know, we had a chance and we, did, we, did, we didn't take it. And that was the English's fault. He was very unlucky with it. And, you know, they got two goals and after that we were playing catch-up. Right, right. OK, what about you, Michael, in Croke Park? I suppose the Dubs always get a backdoor into Croke Park anyways. You've got, you've got your uh, favourable, uh, not as good as a wink there with the boys. Yeah, look, I suppose... One or, there was one or two years there with Dale and they were saying to it like do you want to we could play in Crow Park this year or play in Parnell Park and for us we love Parnell Park it was a fortress for us but at the same time if you're going on to the all Ireland series you're you going to be get used to exactly it. you're going to be playing in Crow Park so you do pick it and it's it's obviously a tougher place to play against the bigger teams because they would actually play there more than us in the hurling like the likes of Tipping and Kenny would be there quite a bit more than us and uh, I think it's a fantastic place to play Woolly I think it's a joke that uh, stewards will stop you walking onto the pitch half an hour before the game and when you arrive and your runners just to get the feel of the place and the yeah. size and just to get used to it but I was shocked reading Paddy Purcell's interview that he did two media events in Crow Park this year and there was only two times in Crow Park like as as a player and hadn't touched the sod like it's incredible to think yeah. of it you know so I also read remarks in the in the on, online this week saying people saying our oh, players aren't babies they don't want to play in Crow Park and it's a huge thing to play in Crow Park for players because, like, as as Michael said, it's the mecca of hurling. To play there in front of your friend and friends and family, especially in a final, it does mean so much to players. And look, you forget sometimes that I'm from Dublin. I'm going to get chances to play there that players haven't played there at all in their career and how big a moment it's going to be. So it's going to be brilliant for these players on Sunday. Yeah, no, it definitely will. So it's 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 fantastic. And, and you think that's the magic of the Joe McDonough Cup that's given these players a chance to play there, uh, Michael. Like, I mean, Cheddar Plunkett makes a good point on this show that the Joe McDonough Cup is all good and well, but what, like, is it just something just to toss away and leave players... Uh, leave teams just stay there or is there an actual plan to get them up out of that and get them into the you know the All-Ireland series so he 
he likes it, but definitely wants more of a plan in place to help the counties to get out of it rather than just saying, here's a competition, go enjoy it or whatever. Well, what I would like to see is I'd like to see an extra team in the Leinster section. I'd like to see uh, six teams in the Leinster section because at the end of the day, then it's going to take exactly the same amount of time to run it because the week, everybody will be playing you know, three games every week instead of having to buy and some team will play. It's a bit unfortunate for Carlo because they came up and you know, I know they're going straight back down again, which is a pity. I, would, uh, I mean, somebody moves the idea that when you when you get up, you stay up for two years. I don't think that's feasible. But I would like to see six teams in it, and the same way the John McDonough Cup a couple of years ago, there were, there were six teams in it, and suddenly you seem to have this 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 plan. When something is working really well, somebody comes up with an idea to change it, and you know, sometimes in my opinion, that should be the opposite. So I would like to see six teams in the Leinster Championship. Now, if Munster is tricky enough for Kerry. And, uh, and you know, it, it's funny, really, that uh, Kerry, if they won the John McDonough, they'd have to play the bottom team Munster. And I, how you get around that, I don't know. And maybe, maybe the, four, the other five teams in Munster, it shouldn't be sacred. The position in that championship shouldn't be sacred. Maybe everybody should have to fight. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a great concept. It's, it's, it's brought on hurling. There's no question about that in the last couple of years because you're playing at a decent level. And you're, getting, and you're actually getting good referees because you're getting the referees from the Lee McCarthy as well. So it is a very good concept. It is improving. We need to look at it and maybe tweak it further down the road. But uh, as I said, my, my change would be have six teams in Leinster. Yeah, OK, that's not a bad one. Come here, I have to talk to you about Waterford before we start talking about this um, Leinster final. What's the, what, what do you think um, down there? It's been, really, realistically, it's been an, an awful championship for Waterford. It's been two awful championships. I mean, that shouldn't yeah. be forgotten. You know, last year was equally bad last year. And, you know, it's, it, everybody's disillusioned. Everybody's disappointed. I mean, people the people seem to think that the players down tools now. I'm surprised if that's true. I mean, I mean, it's very hard to say somebody would put on a county jersey and, uh, and not perform. Certainly, they haven't been at their best. From my point of view, what I would say is if a player puts down the county jersey, if he puts the jersey on his back, there's no room for not fighting and not going for the ball. If there is a problem beforehand, don't put on the jersey. But uh, it, it's been disappointing. It's been it's it's, hard, it's going to be very hard to turn around. You know, I would say there's still a lot of good hurlers in Waterford, and uh, Paul has had a, had a very difficult year. He came in first, and seems to be things seem to be going okay. You know, got to the league final, and from that moment on, it seemed to unravel. I would say what was hugely significant was the player game. I'm beaten by a point. Didn't really play well in Welsh Park that day but could have won the game. And if they had won that game, who knows what would have happened. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's, everybody is, is, is pessimistic and, you know, and there's, there's talks of unrest, there's talks about all the different things going on and I'm not privy to that and I don't know what's true or what's not true. But uh, it's been, we're, we're in big trouble, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, well, like, I mean, the talk of unrest, like, I mean, nobody really seems to have a, def- a definitive line on that, but at the same time, all the players that he dropped for the last game against Cork, that would definitely point to a little bit of unrest. Do you know what I mean? He, he dropped a lot of the leaders on the team. Yeah, but like I mean, if you go back to Waterford's history over the last four, over the last five or six years, I mean, a number of managers, players, but happier managers. You can't just you can't just change the manager anytime you like, you know. Yeah. And may, may, maybe we need to look at uh, at the point point of the managers. Maybe players need to have some kind of a say in that. They shouldn't have the final say, but maybe they need to be consulted. But. You know, it's uh, the fact that he dropped. But and, and funny enough, after dropping some of those players, the performance in, in, improved. And I thought the last day, you know, they thought they did put in a good shift. But like as Ken Rare rightly said, that's the very least you expect from players to give every ounce they have while they're out in the pitch. But it's 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 a real tricky one. And 
where we go from here, I don't know, and it's a pity because you know, still the Newtons have a very, very good team. You know, if, if everything was right, that we, you know, we 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 uh, we would have a good team and we'd be there or thereabouts. But there's a big job on hand, and I don't know whether Park stays or whether he goes. I don't know what's going to happen. Or if he goes, whoever comes in has got a big big task on hands. But ultimately, the players must take some of the responsibility themselves. Well, that's the thing. That it, like, I mean, we don't know whether Park Fanning is going to go. We don't know if players want him to stay. Like, I mean, I know that happened to you in 2014 that players uh, had a vote um, and you ended up leaving the job. Wasn't that right? Yeah, well, look, if you go back to 2013, my last game as Waterford manager, we drew with Kilkenny and they beat us an extra time. These, these, these are the cold facts. I haven't actually spoken about this until now. That day we drew with the Kilkenny team and we were looking not to beat them. That Kilkenny team went on to win two albums. Everybody has, talks about the fantastic progress that Waterford have made since. That's, that's very much open to question. The following year was a disaster. Now, we, we, in, in, in the Munster Championship, we've won, a, we've won, we've won it was the last, I think, 12 or 13 matches, we've won two or three. That's, that's a very poor record, regardless of who's in charge. So, I mean, we did get to an all final, and we were lucky maybe not to win it. But overall, I mean, we, we have underachieved in the last, in the last five, four or five years, six years. There's no disabilities. I mean, there's no point in, in, in painting it up any other way or dressing it up any other way. That's the core reality of it. And, and uh, so now we're at, we're at the crossroads and what happens next is going to be very important for the development of holding and Waterford. Yeah, definitely will. I think there's no one, there's no argument against Waterford have underachieved in the Munster Championship. The stats are, don't lie on that. I, I, I can't think of them offhand, but I think they've won four Munster Championship matches in, I don't know how many years it is. So yeah. like, I mean... They've won three since, 19, since, since, since 2012. Is that it? Three since yeah. 2012? Yeah. Jesus, yeah. that's not good. It's 2012, yeah. One, one, one won the first year I was there, and won two since, and haven't won after that. But will you say like so which is which is which is a damning stat? Yeah, very damning. It's with the talent of players they have. It's it's very hard to question why that's happening because like there's no doubt they've hugely talented players like, and you could name them. They've keep coming through, and it's it's just interesting to see like. What is it then? Why why can't you put your finger on it? Because like, I think if any other county, them talented players, they'd be winning games or challenging for all, all Ireland's. So why why isn't it happening in Waterford? You know, like I grew up loving the team at Milan, Shannon, Tony Brown, Ken McGrath. Loved the team. Like they were just great to watch, and they went out and it was just the freedom they played with. You know, but maybe if they had a bit more structure about them, they would have went on and won all Ireland. I don't know. Like it's just that that kamikaze hurling that they played was brilliant to watch. You know, yeah. and you never knew what they were going to do on the pitch, and it was great to watch. But it's very hard because you'd say if they hadn't got talented hurlers, you'd say, oh, right, Waterford aren't doing well, but they have. They have some, but you'd say they have some, but like, I don't know, Michael, like they, all their good players, now that Kevin Moran is probably on the way out, Brick mm. Walsh is on the way out, Noel Connors might not, might, might not have too many years left, all their good players are off the one minor number 21 team. Like uh, uh, most counties need more than just one team to fill a senior panel. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Limerick have had a number of successes under 21. You saw Clare, Clare, I think Clare won in three times. They've had two and three, yeah. Yeah, but like, uh, you know, over the we were probably, uh, this team was probably at its peak about two or three years ago when the like of us and Lisa and Ursula's came through and uh, some of the under 21s came through. And like Kevin Warren and Rick were still young enough to make a difference in what what two players, they've been two outstanding players. But my point is, is looking forward, it's very hard to see the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel now. I'm not saying it isn't possible, but it's 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 going to be a tough slog, and some things, have, a lot of things have got to happen, and you know everything has got to be right for us to succeed now. Every first of all, 
Whoever is in charge, everybody's got to be completely behind us. And we've got to perform. And our best players, and some of our best players in big days, haven't been at their best. There's no question about that. And every, everything has got to be right for Waterford to succeed. You see Dublin now. Dublin are doing very well at the moment because everything is right. They're obviously happy campers. They're playing really well. And they will give somebody a fight for this championship is over. But uh, I'll say this with Dublin, right? If you had to name this Dublin team to me five years ago, or like in the last three years, and name the players they have, there's no massive superstars in the team, really. Like they're just really good hurlers who are sticking to a plan and Maddie, and playing under the way Maddie Kenny has them playing, and they're doing brilliantly under it. Like you know, when you look at the team itself, you never would have said, "Oh, that's a that's a team that could challenge for Leinster. That's a team that can challenge for Ireland." But the way they're hurling, that's what that's where the way they're going. Like they have no massive superstars. Like you know, you wouldn't say they've all stars all over a pitch, but they've really good hurlers on lines, and then they've lads who just work their socks off and stick to a plan, and that's what's happening under Maddie Kenny. And I think like if you look at the Bennett's, Jamie Barron, Tyg the Burke, Austin Gleeson, the Mannies, they're still going to be there with Waterford. Really good hurlers. So if you can get lads around them, working hard, supporting them, and working to a plan, I couldn't see why they couldn't do the same thing because that Dublin team isn't. Full of superstar horrors. Yeah. It's just they have a plan and they stick to it and they work hard for each other. Yeah, so maybe. Like, you know, it's just it's hard to put it's hard to put your finger on. I just think Waterford should be doing better with the players they have. Yeah, definitely, they should be doing better than this year and last year. Right, lads, we'll leave it there and we'll come back and we'll preview the Leinster final. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up now because <laughs> there's no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. Um, but but you didn't let Shamey talk at a, at a hurley launch one day. Yeah, but hold on a second now. He was at a hurley launch, you know. Yeah. You know, there's I, a I, media I, ban if he can't no, talk no, at that. No, absolutely not. I think you guys need to do your job. Don't depend on us guys for quotes, you know. Okay. Go but ahead, earn your living like the rest of us. But if he's at a media day and he says to the media that I'm not allowed to talk, then he's obviously on a ban. Well, I think he's carrying a mixed message. Yeah, so this is a weird one to preview the Leinster final when I just completely remember previewing this only two weeks ago. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like, I, it, it's difficult to know. Like, Kilkenny are strong favourites for this, lads, in the bookies, 8-15, to 15, Wexford are 2-1. to one. I wouldn't have it that, cl- oh, that right. far apart now. But, like, I mean, maybe because... Kilkenny have done it in Croke Park in Leinster finals Wexford haven't like Wexford were blown away really by Galway Mick here in studio in the last time they played in Leinster final Kilkenny know what they're going to yeah. expect can the sweeper work in Croke Park when there's so much ground to cover you know maybe this yeah. is all feeding into it yeah look, well since, since we found out these two teams are in the Leinster final I've been to and fro myself like it's such a difficult one to call I think like Wexford have some players that can hurt Kilkenny with pace and fitness like to Lee Chain Liam McGovern Dermot O'Keefe, I think we really hard to stop in open spaces in in Croker. Matthew O'Hanlon did a great job marking TJ the last yeah. day. It's a lot different to man mark a fell in Crow Park though than than a smaller pitch like Wexford because it's just Matthew O'Hanlon's really good in the air and so is TJ, but TJ might get space if the ball breaks down between them, he might be able to pick it up himself rather than getting so many bodies around him to get in on the breaking ball. That might be one tougher aspect to get it, you know. Um that's what Kenny are going to have to look at though to get TJ on the ball more because it's going to it's going to happen again, you know. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they've learned from two weeks ago to bring yeah. to bring to Leinster final. But again, I, I go back to the experience Kenny have, and that's why it's I'm tipping to that that edge of Kenny winning because just the players that have been there and played there and they know how to win Kenny. And I, I, I fancy I fancy Kenny, and also with the phrase TJ is just so clinical with them and. Lee Chain has been hit and miss all year and he had a really good day the last day with Freeze but Crow Park's a difficult place to take Freeze because on the ground it doesn't feel like there's much wind 
when you're taking him out the pitch, it can, it can catch with the wind and he's inconsistent throughout the year. So I think that could be a huge factor on Sunday. Yeah, it's actually funny in Croke Park. Um, you'd be sitting in the press box looking down and the flags on the sideline, one side are going one way and yeah. the other side are going yeah. the other because it's coming in swirling. swirling around. It's, it's an interesting one with the TJ because Wexford really have his number, um, uh, Michael, and other teams play this usual traditional game where they'll let the centre forward come on and you know, go out into midfield and pick up ball. Which is madness, really, with TJ Reid because so much revolves around him. But Wexford man mark him, and TJ doesn't like it. Well, it'll be very interesting, I think, to see where where he can decide to play TJ Reid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's, I mean, they played him as a deep lying centre forward, and like he was having to go out the field, and and I think that midfielders were and the two wing for two wing forwards are programmed to to, to uh, crowd that area. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Then they may just decide to throw him in corner forward or throw him in maybe somewhere else, but it'll be much more difficult. But yeah, it, 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 it's uh, he's, he's a major factor, but also it shouldn't be forgotten that like a Walter Welch is back now with a game under his belt, an absolutely key player, and uh, he couldn't have been at his best the last day. Uh, Owen Murphy was out for a while injured as well, he's back. Uh, Richie Hogan has got more game time, and can Kenny have a few young fellas, and you know. Cody seems to have this incredible knack of, of, of bringing fellas, putting them in for a game and they're not going well and maybe to take them off or maybe drop with them and start them again the next day and they're flying. One thing you can be sure of, any fellow puts on the black and amber jersey is a really good hauler. And they have a winning mentality, whether it came from St. Kieran's or underage, they have the winning mentality and they have a belief in themselves. And I remember, remember talking to, uh, to Phil Larkin a few years ago, I met him doing WIT and he said, what keeps young fellas on the ground, he said in Kenny, is they're walking down the street with your three all medals. If they're walking up against you, probably a five or six, so you can't open your mouth about it. <laughs> so that tradition is there. That, that, that's inbred in the players. And Brian Cody and his backroom team will make sure, first of all, they'll give 110%. They're good players. And then, of course, you have the like of E.J. and Walter Wilson, Paul Murphy and those fellas to, you know, to, to, uh, to give them a boost and, uh, and egg them on and drive them on and, and lead out in the pitch. Because anyone never shot the leaders out in the pitch. And, when you lead good young, good young fellas, when they're good hullers, when you have some fellas showing the way, and very often, you know, a new player can be born in Kenya overnight. We've seen that over the years, and so it's going to be, it's going to be a cracking game. But I think Wexford they have a real chance because you know Wexford have played in fits and starts, but they are, they are indications this year. You know that they're a decent side and 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 they have, they have some really really good players. But you know, just on Lee Ching, he's going to have to play the game of his life and 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 another five or six with him. I mean, to win this Leinster final, uh, Wexford are probably going to have about 10 fellas playing really well and other 5 fellas playing blinders. But they are capable and, uh, you know, it's going to be, they won't be much in it, it's going to be an intriguing contest. Yeah, no, it definitely will. That's an interesting one with TJ Reid because I suppose when Wexford do flood that middle eight, why send TJ out into it? Absolutely. You know what I mean? That doesn't really make sense. I suppose now, if he plays in the corner, he'll have a sweeper covering him fully. But I'd, nearly, probably pick him up but I'd nearly rather that than sending him out into that battle zone with a lad stuck beside his, his hip yeah but sometimes I just Cody has that mentality will he have just go out and play and, and he doesn't really seem to bother him who's marking who and he'll just expect TJ and TJ have the confidence that I won't be a beaten again for a second day out here you know that way and look Crow Parks as I said it's difficult he'll need Kenny players to run at him and if they run in his direction Matthew O'Hannon has to come to him or whoever's marking him has to come to him and then he's there for the pop off and Kenny will need that just to run at that Wexford back line because that's how you create that space for him because as I said before if you go high high ball it's not really an option with Matt Johanna because he's very good at it you have to break it down to yourself and win it then so it's going to be interesting I think Colin Fenley will have a huge say as well he loves playing in Crow Park you've seen him at Ballyhale he just seems to come alive with that space and 
he, he just loves it. And he, I'd say him and Liam Ryan are gonna have some ding dong battle here on Sunday because he just loves the space and he loves taking on his man. And they're two physical men, so I'd say, <laughs> I'd say there's gonna be a few scalps on Sunday, and it's gonna be interesting to watch. You yeah, know? but I think with with Liam Ryan boxed off on on um, Colin Fenley. Uh, Michael, you'd imagine that Walter Walsh would be put in the corner where Wexford wouldn't have too big, they wouldn't have a big fella probably to mark him. I'm not sure where he played um, against in in um, down in Wexford the last day. So maybe playing him in the corner where he has, like you said, has that game under his belt and get a few high balls into him. Well, I mean, the warning sign for Wexford is if you go back on Kenny's history over the last ten years, if you go back to all the finals and big games when they drew big games. They pulled something out of the bag. They pulled a rabbit out of the bag for the replay. They did some different things, move fellas around, yeah. but even introduced fellas off the bench. They've always, Cody's always had the capacity to do that. When he's had a good look at the opposition, uh, you know, it, it, and, and weighed up all the consequences, and weighed up all the permutations, he's very often, uh, along with his management team, they've very often done something different. And that's the big test for Wexford. I mean, Wexford, don't, uh, if I was the Wexford management, uh, you know, you can expect just to do anything, any player to play anywhere, is what I'd be saying. And if Kilkenny, you know, they've often done it and they've done it successfully. And, you know, what they'll do on Sunday will be very interesting. But I guarantee you something, there is something coming down the track. Yeah, no, it probably is. The battle of the sweepers would be interesting, lads. And I think Rick Walsh's point, the last one, like, this is the thing. Like, there's no one better to play that role than Rick Walsh. But I'd be telling Rick Walsh, every time you get the ball, uh, Mick, is I want you, once you pass that, I want you to go again. Yeah. we'll get you back and if you're not back it's not the end of the world but I want you to hurt them you're a spare man and there's no one better to hurt them and I think like not enough teams put manners on Wexford when they do this kind of sweeper thing because it's always oh well we'll leave our man back the same as him and yeah. you know it's Wexford actually dictating the sweeper because Foley will come and attack a bit and the other team doesn't really do that much because they're not used to it but I think that point um, he scored at the end Maybe we'll send a, turn on a light switch in Cody's head and go, here, hang on a minute. Yeah. I want you to do that every single time you get the ball. Yeah, and what surprised me about Park Watch is his pace, Willie. Like, he seems to get away from fellas. He doesn't fast, look at yeah. he's, he's lightning fast. He's so good in the air. There's no reason why he can't get up, up the pitch because when he does, he seems to score every time. Every time he goes in that long rangey run, he scores. He's a great strike and he's very accurate. So I'd be telling him to get up the pitch all the time. It's even that give and go ball because he creates that space yeah. all the time. And look, look, it'd be ridiculous if they didn't because there's definitely going to be in space in Crow Park for him to run into all the time and yeah he has the fitness because he never seems to struggle getting up and back or around the pitch at all so I don't see any reason why he shouldn't and the big thing is that the crowd the Kenny crowd get behind him like he's that die work figure like if he, if he catches a big ball or a big block or gets a big score the Kenny crowd get right behind him and it's huge for Kenny so I think Cody be in his ear telling him to get up the pitch all the time yeah. the space is going to be there definitely on Sunday yeah I think it will and like, the thing that amazes me Colin about, about the sweeper system it just amazes me but I mean I can't understand anybody letting a sweeper lose because a sweeper is a sweeper for a reason number one he's usually a good holder he uses the ball very very well and if he's that good you can't afford I mean if you have Five forwards playing against six backs, or six forwards playing against seven backs. They decide who who's loose. It's like four, we play the 14 men, get someone loose. The team with 14 men decide who they mark, and they decide who to let loose. So the sweeper cannot be let loose in any team. I think it, 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 it's crazy stuff. So the sweeper has got to be marked, and then you pick, they will sit down and look at it, and they'll, they'll pick, and they'll decide who they want to let loose. And usually the fellow you let loose is, 
is the guy who's not the best striker of the ball in the team, not the best deliverer of the ball, but you have to mark the sweeper. So you think one of the Kilkenny forwards, Billy Ryan or something, should be coming across on, onto Foley and saying, well, I'm standing on you and whoever's marking me can mark me as well? Well, I'd be so, I would far be it for me to tell Brian Cody what to do. <laughs> because, because don't worry, uh, Brian, I know Brian was a good, long time now when he came up with the answer, but as I said, you know, I, that, that my, my, that's my thinking behind it. Yeah. You're meant no. to sweep him. I you, agree. You pick someone, let him lose, it works from there. Yeah, no, but I remember, I remember that. But I know from Gaelic football a lot, and yeah. we're dealing with sweepers a, a lot longer probably than hurling. Is that someone should move across on t- and actually mark the sweeper, yeah. and then you have two men marking you, yeah, and that just looks silly. Yeah, absolutely. That's look, it's common sense. Teams have their way around. Like say, Davy, Davy Fitz will have a plan there if someone does go and foley. He has a second sweeper to say right he, the cornerback. You go mark that half forward. Now you're going free. Like. It's very hard. To, it's very hard to do. It's easy to say on paper, but it's, yeah. it's a it's a hard thing to implement because most managers will have a second fella there just in case. And then as the game loosens up, you can sort of resort back to your own game. You know, it, game takes a life of its own. Yeah. You know? but so at least you're making him think because absolutely. You know, you're, you're, you're making him think. So James Marr came on for Killian Buckley the last time, the last day. Michael Dearman O'Keefe was after running Buckley ragged. He'd been out injured um, a lot. He got four from playoff him in the first half. James Marr did much better on him. So you'd imagine. James Marr will will take um, will will take Dermot O'Keefe the next day. So where Killian Buckley comes in is is another question. Maybe centre half back. I'm not sure what you think. Well, Dermot O'Keefe had played so well in the first half of that game. It's very it's very hard from respect to expect him to keep it up. So you know some of that may have been fatigue. Some of that could have, and and obviously the, the change a new a new man was you know that was a factor as well but you know David Fitzgerald is a shrewd enough guy too he'd be looking at all the options and he'd be seeing what worked and he'd he'd be hoping to unhinge that Kenny defence and, and, and maybe maybe spring a rabbit as well but you know it, it's just fascinating and who knows how it'll unfold and who knows how they line up and, but at the end of the day success is a consequence of making good decisions particularly under pressure and it could come down to use of the board, come down to making good decisions, and maybe not refereeing decisions, maybe a will come back up the post. There's a whole number of different concepts could be into it, but it's absolutely fascinating, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, exactly. What do you make of Adrian Mullen, uh, Mike, here playing against Leash? Was it last? It was last night he played. He played fifty-three minutes of an under-twenty match. Isn't Brian Cody some man? The way, like, there's very few it's managers brilliant. in the country would allow, would have allowed that. I'm just surprised he stayed on the field for <clears throat> fifty-three minutes because Kilkenny were hammering Leash. It's brilliant, Woody. Like, uh, like, as a young lad, you're crying over games, and there's nothing worse, especially when you're with your county and you're, there's a, like a club game in a week or two, and there's nothing on. You're, you're sort of afraid to ask, like, look, can I get away for a week? Like, there's, a game beats tra- training every day, every time, hands down. And Cody seemed to always have that, if it's a club game or it's under 20 game, go out and play it and come back. And he doesn't seem to fear injury, and like any lads strive off it, it works for them. And game games be training hands down every time so I think it's brilliant and I'd, lo- I'd love if Mark Manders took t- did it but they don't they're, they're petrified losing players yeah. Cody just doesn't seem to he just has confidence in his panel no matter who's there and Mullen is a really good hurler at the moment and he's really important to Kenny and he's still letting him go out and play a game so I just wish more managers would take take lead off that. You yeah, know? no, works. I know, I know, I do agree. It definitely work. It definitely works for them. But at the same time, they were always going to hammer leash, um, Michael. Um, I don't know how you would have handled handled it. Would you have let him off to play? I think it's actually good for him, and it's very refreshing to see that Brian Cody did that. And also, even to broaden the, the, the debate a little bit, even club games, Brian Cody's always encouraged his players to go in and play club games. Yeah, they've played three championship. Sorry, they've played three championship rounds of championship already. Kilkenny have. 
and that's refreshing because at the end of the day, county players have to get us so much now. I, I feel it does them good, you know, to, to, to go into a new environment even for a week or two, just to freshen them up, go back to their own clubs, experience a different brand of holding or, you know, a different concept and, and then they go back, they're, they're, they're mad to go again. Whereas a lot of players are tied up, it's almost a concentration camp now. You know, when you're with the county squad, you're, you're training four or five times a week, you have gym sessions, you're doing all the years. And I think a lot of players could, would benefit from that. And, um, you know, find, it was great to see that young fella play because at the end of the day, that's his, that's his number one grade playing with his own his own age group. And that, um, no doubt, it will, it will uh, improve as a player going forward. And, and, and to give that, it's also a bit, obviously a big benefit to that, but it's a rage group. Yeah, I just didn't like him lining up against Leash. He scored two goals. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> What's Cody doing? <laughs> yeah, Cody, will you look after that lad for this Leinster final, for God's sake? Uh, I know. Okay, I'll get your predictions on this, Michael. Start with you here. Um, Kilkenny are 8 to 15. Again, I don't think they're 8 to 15. Wexford are 2 to 1. I'd have it closer to this, although I'll shade it to Kilkenny. What do you think? Yeah, I'm the same. I said it earlier. I was 2 and from for the last week or two, but I'm going to go with Kilkenny just their experience. They have some big players back, and I just think they'll. They're so used to Crow Park and they, they know the space, they know the pitch. I think it will stand to them. So I'm going to Kenny by a goal. OK, what about you, Michael? This might have draw written all over it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know when the last draw has been in the final. It might have a draw written all over it. But if, if you were to really, really press me, I think Kenny could just about shade it. But by God, they won't have this. Yeah, no, exactly. I'll have to pull you up on that, Michael. The last draw in the Leicester Championship was last year. It was Kilkenny and Galway, oh, wasn't God. it? <laughs> in, the final, was it in, in the final, was it, was it the, the final? final. It was, yeah. The replay was down in oh. Turles. Yeah. Well, 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 we'll say, I don't know when the one before that was, yeah. which I'll be, completely, yeah. I'll be completely cut on. Right, we'll come back and we'll do Paddy Power predictions. Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Okay, Paddy Power predictions. We've already done our prediction on the Leinster final. I'm just going to get a prediction off you on Limerick Tipperary here, lads, because we're going to be covering this game in Hayes' Hotel in Turles tomorrow night. So, incredibly, Limerick have lost twice in the Munster Championship. Tipperary have steamrolled their way through it. And Limerick are favourites for this. They're even money and Tipperary are 11 to 10 outsiders. I presume the Gaelic grounds has a big factor yeah, in this, absolutely. Mike. Where, where, who do you think is going to win this? Oh, Barrett maybe being out, as well, or bon- yeah. Bonner Maher. Barrett might be still in. I'm going to go with uh, Tipoli. I think the, the way they're playing for Sheedy, they're playing together, they work hard. There's a lot of talk about the tip forward line, but I think their back line has improved so much this year. And they've the strongest half back line in Ireland with the three Mars. Look, I understand why people are going for Limerick. It's in Limerick, and when Limerick play well, they seem to beat everyone in the last year or two. But I just think it's a completely different tip side under Sheedy. They've that belief there, they've work ethic, and they find each other with the ball. And 
I don't think he was afraid to show his hand. He's, he's saying to Limerick there to his go, I don't care what you see, what you do, we're going to go out and beat you. And I think that would breed confidence within the tip panel. So I'm going for tip. Right. Okay. What about you, Michael? <clears throat> yeah, actually, I've changed my mind on this a few times. Carl Beckett is, you know, I, I, if he was playing, I'd be very confident. I'm still going to go with tip at the end of the day. You know, I mean, I, I was very surprised with Limerick in the last day in bad conditions that they persisted with the almost type of handball throwing the ball around in poor conditions yeah. but you know Sheedy's got down the old road he's picked three really strong guys on the half back line as he did in 2010 nailed the puck outs pushed up on the puck outs forced uh, Limerick to uh, hit the ball hit the ball long I'm not convinced about uh, you know a couple of Limerick fouls and you know Shane Dooley did, uh, was on the last uh, and, and you know one or two more as well I think they're better coming off the bench I think Tipperary in a really really good place and ironically enough Limerick could, could lose this and still be in the championship yeah. and they could lose another game they could, they could lose four games in this year's championship which is incredible they're certainly because they're going to be in it after Sunday but to me it's I, I like the way Tipper moving use of the ball is very very good and uh, and they have the capacity to score goals as well so Tip just about shaded but get another cracker yeah this will be an absolute cracker I, I'd nearly go for Limerick because it's going to be good weather this yeah. weekend maybe yeah, your short game will work <laughs> a little bit better I do, we don't know if Carl, Carl Barrett's out or in no. if it, it depends on how bad the hamstring was but like I mean it's definitely <laughs> definitely Bonner Bonner is out but we want to move on to the Leash Westmead the Joe McDonough Cup um, game again I don't see these odds being very accurate either like who am, who am I to doubt Paddy Power who gets <laughs> most of them right Leash are 1-2 to two favourites here Westmead are 15-8 to 2-1 to one outsiders Westmead are obviously in the final last year um, and were beaten by Carlo what do you think of this one Michael you would, would you have Leash that far ahead no I certainly think it's a 50-50 game you go back to the, to the last year uh, down in Port Leash um, maybe maybe Leash won at the level they got this year but Westmead won that game and drew them this year in Port Leash and won 22 each the last day. And uh, I know that Leash were already qualified and they used a couple of young lads and they still have a, the core of a really good team. But yeah. I'd like to think that, uh, you know, having worked with Westmead for, for four or five years, this particular group of players is now coming to their peak. They have a lot of guys between 23 and 27 years of age. A lot of really good hurlers who have played well in big days. And remember a couple of years ago, we went to Tullos and played really well against Tipperary. And uh, I, certainly this is a real 50-50 game in my opinion. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I was shocked really last year in Amor Park when, they, when Westmead beat Leash. That was the first win over Leash in 50 years. I couldn't believe that. And like Westmead are a decent team. They, they, I got beaten by them in 2006. And uh, they just have that belief in that team. And I, I, what worries me is everyone you hear is saying from Dublin anyway, it's like, oh, you're going to be playing Leash. You're going to be playing Leash. They haven't even thought about Westmead. And as you said, I think it's 50-50 here on Sunday. I really do. I'd probably, I'd probably pip Leash, though, if, if I was put to it. I just think Eddie Brennan there, they've hurled really well this year. My worry for them is they've let teams back into games this year, which is a worry. Like Antrim nearly pipped them back, awfully nearly pipped them back. So they're not killing off teams. So the longer they leave Westmead in it, I think it's it's a mindset now that they're going to be worried about that. Right. So if I was Westmead, I'd keep pushing, keep pushing, and look, I, there'd be nothing in it. But I'm going to go with Leash. Right. Okay. What what do you what do you think they'll do with um, Tommy Doyle, um, Michael? Did Carlo last year in the final play a two man full forward line? Like, I mean, is the idea of, Tom, of Tommy Doyle to drag him out of the edge of the square a bit like Dahi Burke, who's a commanding full back? Is that is that what Tommy doesn't like? Is that what Carlo did well with him? Jeez, that's a terrible question for an ex-Westmead manager. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest about it, with, with respect to Leash, I'd love to see Westmead win this game. Uh, you know, well, I know that Eddie will have a plan. There's no question about that. There's no point in dropping high ball in the top of Tommy Doyle. No. 
Because he's no. dumping up all day long, so I would suspect they'll try and create space in front of him. They'll try and use, they'll try and bypass him. That, I mean, that's the logical thing to do. But it's, it's easier said than done because the problem for for Leash is that one of the best followers in the country is Angus Lark, in my opinion. I think he'd be on any other county team in the country. He's an absolutely fantastic player, and he's a great reader of the game, and he'll probably cover off that space. So you know, so uh, but uh, Eddie Eddie Bannon, again is a shrewd guy, and he's he's been in a lot of situations with Kelly and he's now coach and he's a good coach and funny enough he actually took I got him up to Westmead to take Westmead for one training session last year so there's a bit of irony in that but uh, <laughs> it, it, it won't come down to that there's a lot there's a, a load of factors in this game there's a load of things I mean, it isn't just the one battle there obviously that's an important factor and Tommy Doyle at his day is, is potentially one of the best three pullbacks in the country but you know, it's about it's about uh, using the ball. It's with the pitch. It's about it's it's about you know performing on the day. I mean, when you get to Crow Park, the first thing you, you hope for is that your team will do itself justice and that uh, really perform. And uh, there can be mitigating factors, or there can be stage fright, there can be nerves, there can be injuries, there can be a fellow sent off. There's a lot of different things can can mitigate and and, and determine what's going to happen. But uh, I don't. I wouldn't. I I have no fear that Eddie Brennan will definitely have a plan. But uh, I've also think that you know Westmead have an experienced team. They're around a few years, and they've only won last this year. And that was a, that was disappointing last against Kerry. I saw playing Stockley, albeit off they were poor. They played some really good hurling. So I would just love Westmead to go to Sunday and play to their potential. Yeah. Because if they do, they will show everybody just how good hurling side they are. And they are a really, really good hurling side. And and they're, they're just Michael on that because you would have seen both teams um, a lot closer. They're two teams that play a similar enough style. Like I mean, they're not driving it long. It, they're they're mixing up a short game um, as well, right? Yeah, there's another. There's a lot of really good hurlers in leash as well. I mean, first of all, they have a good goalkeeper. Matthew Whelan probably plays centre back. Pinky Ross King, all those fellas. And and Eddie has introduced three or four young fellas. Even if, uh, young Gohan Gohan came on last the last game, scored two late frees. I think he's from Camaros. Yeah. And you know they have Kia Column Stapleton, Nachdol. They've introduced a, a lot of players into the team. They've, some of the older guys have, have packed it up and gone for various reasons. So it's it's uh, there's an awful lot to look forward to. And the big disappointment is the whole country or the whole world would see how good a game this will be because I think it will be a cracking game. And the prize is absolutely huge. The prize is so great. That's going to cause pressure on itself. Westmead have had a great season. Obviously, got out of Division 2A at last. And thankfully, so they're up with the big boys now. They've only lost one game all season. And again, Lee and Leash, you know, really good players, good side, good good coach, good manager. So it's, 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 it's fascinating. And it may come down to, you know, one stroke of genius or, or a mistake or, you know, refereeing decision or, or ball come back up. It's that tight. And, and don't be surprised if it goes to a replay. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. One thing I like about Eddie Brennan in Leash is that you can't predict how the forward line's going to line up. So against Antrim, Paddy Purcell played full forward. Mm. I didn't know, even know he was able to play full forward. Like, he's played midfield in other years. He plays wing forward the last day. Um, not the last day, the game against Kerry. Cha uh, Dwyer was in midfield against Kerry. He's been wing forward. He's been in the corner forward. They move around even in, within the game, yeah. you know. So, like, I mean, I, I like that. There's a bit of flexibility about it. Yeah, it's like the I suppose like the teams Eddie Brennan played for Woolley, like they, they switched constantly, you know, and moved in. And I suppose as a, a talented forward, you should be able to play anywhere. And I'd say they practice like that in, in the matches. And reading Paddy Purcell, Paddy Purcell's interview recently, he said that in, in the matches and training, whoever's playing well and performing, Eddie Brennan's playing, and that's it. Like, and if you don't play well, you can't, you have no argument because you're not going to start. So it seems to be like just 
<laughs> he's telling them to go out and play and if you perform you're playing and I, uh, as a forward it never bothered me I started my career at Dublin you could be corner forward centre forward wing forward you should be able to play in and around the pitch because if you're moving and it's much more it's much more harder to mark because you could be as a corner back you don't want to be a half back as a half back I oh, don't want to be corner back and, yeah. and most of these teams now are being told you're going to mark a man for a game I don't, I don't want you staying in your space so it, it just makes things harder for a back line. Yeah, it's the rotating you know, thing. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The, you mentioned Matthew Whelan he'll be full back I think Michael uh, Ryan uh, Mullaney will be centre back and he's got a huge job on his hands with uh, Killian Doyle. How good is Killian Doyle? He's posting up some scores. Incredible. Absolutely fantastic talented player and uh, can score right or left great energy he has great free taker as well great vision really good vision Good on the ball, uses the ball well, knows when it's raw, knows when to have the shot, knows when it's when to, when to lay the ball off. Uh, he's a really, really talented player. He tends to play a little bit deep, deep, so uh, maybe at least push up on him. But certainly whoever marks him will have his hands full. And, and that could well be the key factor. If you look at those, like one game this year, I think he got 78 points. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and like he wasn't around last year. Gary Grevel wasn't around. There was three of those guys away last year and also the cornerback with a broken leg. So this is a much stronger West Me team this year. But that could well be the key to the game. Right, OK, that's interesting. Like, I mean, you know the way this debate, and we have it on the show here the whole time, will the number six follow or will he not follow? Like, why not put a wing back on Killian Doyle and tell him to follow and let the centre-back drop off the less... The less um, the less dangerous wing forward? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, why don't they just do that? There always seems to be this big debate not about... Sorry, go on, not that simple. Not, not that simple because yeah. you know the hole in the middle of your defence. I think the centre back has got to stay, and, uh, and if the centre forward pushes out, I think the midfielders, the two midfielders, have got to, have got to close up the space. Two wing, two, two wing forwards come back again. Centre back has got to stay more or less. I wouldn't say rigid in these positions, but if he's gone, and if you saw it, even in the football last, last that the Cork and Kerry, how many times did Cork go through the middle of the Kerry defence and also in the centre back? Yeah, I mean the centre back. If that position isn't manned. You're now providing a clear dual carriageway to goal. <laughs> and teams will love that. On a motorway into goal, they will love that. They'll come off the shoulder, they'll break through, the very least they'll get as a point. Maybe a goal, a penalty. That Somebody's got to mend that position. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, I was saying that the centre-back, even if he was marking the wing forward, would still hold the centre. Yeah. It's just the wing forwards go back working all the time. They're not a, as big a threat. So you wouldn't be able to, will because the wing forward would stay out wing forward and you'd have to go out and mark him. And, and the centre-back, it's just pivotal because it's just, it's just a game of cat and mouse these days. You have to go with him so far as the midfielders are going to cover him then. And then you have to be there to cover your full back line and not let the ball spray to the middle because you're, you're just leaving things wide open. So it really is a game of cat and mouse. And you see the best centre-backs at the moment can do it like they're just there they have the smarts the hurling game game management to do that but the centre forwards now more and more are just moving back and moving across the pitch and it's tougher and tougher to mark them they used to be not as mobile centre backs so they had to stay at centre back but these days they're all they're all good and they get up and down the pitch but I definitely agree with Michael you can't you can't just go all the way to the pitch and leave a big gap in the centre of your pitch you can't leave Killian Doyle for no, you this no, man's scoring 17 points that's what I'm saying you follow him to midfield and then then you're telling the midfielders you have to watch them. You can't right. let that easy ball come through the, through the half-forward line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so know? it's pawning them off. Yeah, right, absolutely. so we'll get we'll get predictions here. I'm fairly sure which way you're going to go on this one, Michael. Will it start with you? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's, go, it's going to be... Uh, look, I, I, it's going to be a fascinating and it's going to be a really great game. I'd love to see Westmead win it and that's, no, that's nothing against Leash. And, uh, and I'm fully aware of how difficult it will be to win it. But I think this time, I think they're good enough to win it. If they perform, I think they will win it. And I think they'll just edge it. OK, what about you, uh, Mike? Yeah, from a neutral's perspective, I'd actually, I'd love to see Westmead do it as well. I think it would mean so much to the county if they, if they won it, you know. And, but 
my heart go, um, my head is going with Leash. I just think they have too much in the bag, and Eddie Brennan in fact, will will get them over the line. Yeah, well, I'll go for Leash as well. I think uh, they're on such a they're on such a good run, and I do think they'll have a plan for Tommy Doyle, uh, Michael. <laughs> they'll go two man full forward line like Carla did, and they'll take him out of his comfort zone. And I know you didn't like to answer the question, but I think it, it's a guarantee that Leash will just leave two men inside. Oh. I think. Well, well what I would do then is I would play. It, I, I, I would man mark the full forward and let Tommy Doyle play in front of the full back. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. He's so a big let, man. Let Tommy, to get around Tommy Doyle. Let Tommy Doyle kind of stand out, all right, stand out front. Yeah. I think I think just on that, um, from memory, Michael, Carlo played a two-man full forward line and played the two of them very wide, did they? So, like, they kind of took Tommy Doyle out of it altogether, did they? Yeah, well, look, I mean, if you go back to the Carlo game, Carlo beat with me twice. We played, we actually played him three times last year. They beat us twice, and the reason they beat us was they were better than us in each day. And sometimes people get lost in tactics, and if you really look deeply into it, it's because it's because the entire team played better. It wasn't because one individual factor that that can that can have a big say in it. But overall, you know, Carlo were really good last year. And, uh, and Tommy Doyle is human as well. Not every day, very hard to play a hundred percent every day. And uh, some days, you know, he's, he's, he was carrying a bit of an injury there for a while as well. So, but he's a really, really good fullback. And, and 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 go back to the game again. What a contest is going to be, and it's so important for both teams. There's so much at stake. I wonder did the public realise how much at stake in this game? It's, it, there's so much at stake. But I hope that we meet bring the right game to the table. Yeah, there's loads of stuff. Yeah, listen, well, I hope they don't. So we'll leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, great stuff, lads. Next up, we'll talk to Damien from Paddy Power. Damien from Paddy Power, how's it going? Not too bad, Colin. Um, Where are we going to start here? Oh, yes, as usual, my accumulator. Which hasn't been going too well. No, maybe maybe this will be the weekend. And yeah, it looks it looks like you've a chance this weekend. We've got you've got simple Limerick, Kilkenny, and Lee Shaw to win. And that was 7-2, now 9-2. So, yeah, just the three wins in the three games of the weekend on Sunday. The three favourites, actually, interestingly enough, the that Limerick are gone into yeah, favour. Yeah. But I'll ask you about that in a minute. Tell yeah. us about whatever specials you have this weekend. Uh, yeah, we have one special. We have a few specials around the three games. Um, first one in the two provincial finals is Aaron Galan and TJ Reid score 25-plus points combined. That's 9-4. Um, that includes goals, obviously. So, yeah, you... <clears throat> It's a big score. It is a big score, all right, yeah. <coughs> it's a big score, yeah, but um, yeah, they will probably need to get goals. And I think Tip have been fouling a lot, so Galan can get a lot of frees. He got a lot of frees the last day. Um, something else I'd mentioned, just kind of the three main players in the games, I suppose. Seamus Callan and TJ Reid or Ross King to score the first goal. So if any of them score the first goal, you'll get a winner. That's at 7-4, so that'll kind of give you an interest across all the games. And one at a bit of a bigger price is Kilkenny, Wexford, Limerick and Tip all score 25 plus points in the game and that's 10 to 1. Kilkenny, Wexford, Limerick and Tip all to score 25 plus? Yeah. Okay. Maybe Wexford, Kilkenny might be a little bit cagey yeah, you'd, that, would you'd, it? Uh, you'd expect Tip and Limerick to maybe get it but Kilkenny, Wexford, if we go, if it goes like similar to recent games it'll be it'll be tough to get that maybe but 10 to 1 is a bit of a price. Yeah, it's a decent price. So let's go through the games then. So let's start with Limerick, Tipperary because Limerick amazingly have lost twice in this championship Tip have hammered their way through it pretty much um, and Limerick have gone in evens Tipperary 11 to 10 slight outsiders obviously home advantage you're you're weighing a lot on this one yeah I think home advantage and the other thing it'd probably be uh, Cahill Barrett and Bonnermar missing for tips so that'd be why Limerick would be very slight favourites we've actually we've been lay- most bets we've taken have been on Limerick 
Um, I personally, I know you have you have Limerick in your game. I personally, I am from Tip, so maybe I'm biased, but I think Tip are going to win this. Uh, one price I'd be looking at is Tip t- half time, full time at five to two. I think they've started strong in the majority of their matches this year, so I think if they win, they'll probably be leading at half time. And the other one I pick out is Noel McGrath, fourteen to one for man the match. I think he's just had a brilliant year, and he's got one man the match, and he probably could have got a couple more. So. I think he's just been he's been brilliant in every game and I think 14 to 1's a pretty decent price. Yeah, okay, Kilkenny are very strong favorites interestingly enough. Why do you have Wexford at 2 to 1 outsiders? <laughs> I think the thing you'd probably feel here is that I think on Crow Park form Kilkenny probably gives Kilkenny an advantage like Wexford every time they've played recently it has been pretty tight. Um it, it, the last couple of years has only been a point or two in any game. I think you're probably thinking maybe the extra experience in Crow Park will give Kilkenny an edge, maybe a bit more space too, which might make it a bit more difficult for Wexford to play their kind of system. Um, I do think it'll still be a very tight game. Um, 12-1, to no goal scorer looks a decent price. I think 11-4, to under 1.5 goals. Wexford in particular struggled to score goals. And just another one I'll give is 15-8 to for there to be a red card. I think they played last week, and when teams start playing each other close together, I think they can get a bit... Um, yeah. Get a bit feisty, and yeah, I think a 15 to 8 red card is maybe worth a bit yeah. as well. It did look all very friendly, friendly when they drew and both got into the Leicester <laughs> final, <laughs> even with uh, Cody <laughs> and Davy. So, Leisha 1 to 2 to beat Westmead. Again, a very short price. I would have this a little bit closer, um, although Leisha are playing very well this year under Eddie Brennan. Yeah, I think Leisha's form in the Joe McDonough Cup has just been a little bit ahead of Westmead. Um, they managed to draw Westmead with after kind of half a team. The last day probably wouldn't read too much into that, but I, I just think they've I think they've serious scoring power. Leash, and I think Crow Park will probably help them a bit. Um, I personally think Leash will win easily enough. I think Leash minus three at evens would be what I'd be backing here. Uh, I just think they have more scoring power than Westmead, and I think kind of Crow Park will kind of suit them and bring that to the fore. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Oh, <laughs> Thanks very much, Damien. Um, all right, that's always time for. We'll be back on Monday and we'll review all the matches on Sunday. So we'll talk to you then. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet if you're losing first goal scorer gets a goal. See paddypower.com for terms. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are on that. We're trying hard to make it through, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, I'm heartbroken. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 